Hey, welcome to a Zion People podcast. I am Keelan, an intern at Zion Church, and this is our latest message. The team here hope the message challenges you, inspires you, but most of all, builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, here we are in week two of our series that we've called The Way of Faith. And I hope uh, you had a chance last week to grab the message if you weren't with us, to listen to it on the podcast channel or watch the playback on YouTube or wherever you choose to find it. The goal of this is to extend us in faith and grow us in faith by looking at the heroes of faith. And we look at Hebrews chapter 11, which is really where we're finding those heroes, and we find ourselves challenged somewhat by the Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who approaches God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Quite a challenging statement that the writer of this book says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. As I was meditating on this verse again this week, I noticed one little word in there that I want to point you to, and I pray that you find some challenge in it this week. And it's the first word on the second to last line on the slide. Because we've got to believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There's two parts to that. And for those of you that were doing the devotion last week, uh, if you didn't get it, you weren't here or you missed it, we sent it out on our email newsletter, so sign up for that, you get everything uh, that way. It was also online, but each week there's a devotion for people to complete, and one of the challenging questions on that devotion was to look through the book of Hebrews and see if you could count how many rewards God had given for faith. Don't miss the end. Today, uh, we're going to look at another hero of the faith uh, from this chapter, and we're going back to the beginning of the book, and we're looking at a guy whose name is Abel. The New English translation is the one that I've chosen to put on the screen. It says this, By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith, he was commended as righteous, because God commended him for his offerings. He still speaks, though he is dead. So our hero this week that we're going to look at and unpack the story of is this guy called Abel, who God commended as righteous because of his faith. And hopefully we can learn something from that in the contrast that we're going to see in the story. For those of you who are familiar with the beginning of Genesis, you'll remember that in Genesis chapter 4, Adam and Eve had two sons. The firstborn, whose name was, someone tell me, Cain. 
and the second born, whose name was Abel. These two were brothers. And here we see them in this story. And, and I want to, so what I've done is find the verse in Hebrews 11 that identifies the hero of faith for this week. Now we want to go back and look at the story, the narrative that caused the writer to include his name in the book of faith. So turn your page or swipe your screen to Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to read, as on the screen there, verses 3 to 7. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what right, then right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. Lord, today as we look at the story, we submit ourselves again before you that your word would become alive. Your word be a, would like be a lamp to us that would illuminate the way of faith that you're calling us to live. Lord, I invite your Holy Spirit to come and minister to each one of us, to speak with us, to uh, challenge us, to reveal things to us and to lead us into the way of faith. I thank you that we must not make this on our own effort, but that by your Holy Spirit, you enable us to walk the way of faith together. Amen. Amen. Well, differently this morning, what I've decided to do at the beginning is invite some friends to just share a perspective that they felt led to and all I really gave them was this verse in Hebrews and the concept of an offering and let them share what they, what they thought was right. So uh, Stu, uh, I was going to say volunteered, but he would say differently. Um, so Stu, why don't you join us and give him a warm welcome, please. Let me help Stu. Volunteered's the word. <laughs> Okay, good morning all. For those that don't know me, I'm Stu. For those who know me, you'll know I don't like to be up here. <laughs> but serving God's something we all as Christians want to do. And I prefer, I prefer my serving to be behind the scenes rather than out in front in the spotlight. Sometimes though, God has other plans for us which pushes us outside our comfort zones. So the reason I'm standing here to, in front of you today is that when, the, when I gave my life to the Lord, I decided to do what he asked of me, no matter what the consequences, and whether it made me uncomfortable or not. I was asked by a good friend at the time I made this decision, what if it's not the Lord speaking? 
My reply was, as long as it was biblical, then I'd rather do it, and it wasn't God, than not doing it, and it was God. I didn't want to go down that path. So here I am to talk about my walk in relation to the way of faith when it comes to finances. Tithing is an interesting topic, and I believe it can be a fairly polarizing one. I'm not here today to say what's the right way. I'm just here to tell you what I believe the Lord has led me on my journey so far. Something from my story may resonate with you, and if it does, I'll leave you to work that through with God. Before I became a Christian, and it was probably about six odd years ago, my main idol, although I didn't realise it at the time, was money. I believed that I needed to be seen as successful, and to do that I needed a big house, car and all the trappings. I was married at the time, and had three kids, and outwardly we had that, but inwardly we were imploding, which led to my wife and I separating, and having to sell that big house and car. Now I'm not telling you this for the sympathy vote, because the silver lining out of all this is that's what brought me to Christ. Not long after coming to Christ, I had this real urge to tithe. I believe this was God leading me away from relying on money as my idol to relying on him. But I didn't really know where to start. Now we see in the Old Testament that tithing was documented as 10% of everything. Leviticus 27.32 says, Count off every tenth animal from your herds and flocks and set them apart for the Lord is holy. There's also the thought that after Christ died for our sins, that these Masonic laws were no longer applicable. Well, because I was being led to tithe, I figured that tithing was still applicable, now as it ever was, so I decided the good starting point was therefore the 10%. I also took note that the tithe should be from your first fruits. Leviticus 23.10, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you enter the land I'm giving you and you harvest its first crops, bring the priest a bundle of grain from the first cutting of your grain harvest. So I set it up to go out immediately from my salary as soon as I got paid. God has since pushed me by increasing the amount I tithe. Not all at one time, but gradually. Because I'd seen his goodness and providence since I started tithing, although there was still a bit of, you've got to be kidding, Every time that increase was asked, I made the change. Now, we're fortunate in New Zealand that our tithing to the church is classified as a donation, and we're able to get a third of it back at the end of every year. I therefore consider what's returned still as God's money, so aim to use it on kingdom-related things. A big thing for me is that this has enabled me to head overseas on mission trips, which is something that God has put on my heart to be involved in. I remember on one such trip as I was sitting with Phil in Singapore awaiting the flight home, that I felt God say to me to make myself available to head back to Hope Village to help them with setting up zero and showing the team on the ground how to use it. I discussed this with Phil, then sent an email to Mike and Anne making myself available later in the year should they need help. Before I got the reply, I'm thinking, how am I going to go and afford to do that. I've just spent all my money on the trip I've just been on, and then some. I've just got to leave it with God. So as I've already mentioned, God 
if God asked me to do something, I'd do it. So I figured if he wanted me to go back, then he would help provide in some way. The response then came back saying, yep, Stu, it'd be great if you can come over. And so flights were booked, and now it was in God's hands. I must admit, though, although I'd experienced God's provision in many ways up to this point, and it was mostly small things, and don't get me wrong, the small things to me were great reminders of his provision, but this was next level. Did God step up and provide? Yep. With approximately 90% of the cost. You may be thinking, why didn't he provide at all? I'm convinced that I still needed skin in the game, which to me is why it wasn't all covered. Out of what was provided, I knew nearly everyone who helped out. But the one that really stood out, though, was the envelope of money in my mailbox with a note saying, God has asked me to provide this to help you with the costs. Now, I don't have a clue who that came from, but it showed me how big God is and if we honour him faithfully with our first fruits, and he'll always provide when needed. So in summary, I don't tithe to get something in return. I do it because I know it's what God wants me to do as it puts me into position of trusting in his provision. I also know he'll step up when needed. Thanks, Stu. That was a big step of faith and a great story of faith. Louise, why don't you come and join us and share your thoughts with us? Morning, everybody. I'm Louise, married to Gary. There's a bit of a theme going here because our, our story is about tithing as well. Gary started working for himself about two years ago, and when COVID hit, we had absolutely no backup at all. And we continued to tithe. Through COVID, things got really bad and very, very close to the mark. One morning, we, were, we looked at our bank account and we thought, there's no way that we are going to be able to pay our mortgage the next day. Absolutely no way. It just wasn't going to happen. And we had a discussion about it. I said to Gary, we can find the bank and we can, we can make plans or we can trust God. And we decided we were going to take that step. And it is a step because it's like stepping into the unknown and letting go. And we said, okay, Lord, we're, we've tithed and we're trusting you. And the most amazing thing happened on... We had perfect peace after that because we'd really just let it go. And we got a phone call that evening and someone said to us, the Lord told me to give you some money, what's your bank account? And the amazing thing about stepping out in faith is that God has continued to be... He, he's just continued to, to supply every single need and the peace is unbelievable. Okay. The way of faith is expressed in so many different ways. Uh, Kathy, why don't you come and share something from your perspective? Okay, mine is not about tithing. 
Sometimes I see myself as characters in the Bible. You know, I read the stories and I imagine myself as one of them. So in the story of Mary and Martha, I am, I am just so a Martha. As much as I want to be Mary, as much as I want to sit at the feet of Jesus, I'm a doer. And so when I looked at the story of Cain and Abel, I thought, man, I want to be Abel. I so want to be Abel. But actually, I'm more like Cain. Cain and Abel both brought their offerings to God. One pleased God and one didn't. And to be honest, for the longest time, I never actually understood why Cain's offering wasn't acceptable by God. Surely something is better than nothing. How could God not be pleased with what we bring him? And so I got to thinking about this in my life. You know, how often do I bring an offering to God that is actually not my best? I, I, I think that it might be, but it's actually not. How many times do I bring him what I think he wants instead of what he really wants? How often do I bring him what others require of me and not what he has asked? So I got to thinking, what is the best thing that I can offer him? Is anything I have even good enough to offer to God? And so here's just a few things that I've offered to God. The offering of time, hours and hours and hours upon service, to the point of exhaustion and burnout. And God would whisper to me, thank you, but what I really want is your heart. So I offered him the offer of sacrifice, all the things that I'd given up to be a better Christian, all the things I gave up because I thought that's what he wanted of me. And God would whisper to me, thank you, but what I really want is your heart. So I offered him the offer of service, serving him with all that I had. And again, he would whisper to me, thank you, but what I really want is your heart. The offering of my talents, working to the point of toiling to give him all that I can. And he would whisper to me, thank you, but all I really want is your heart. I offered him all of my doing, just as Martha did, I'm not good at being, so I thought I'll do. I'll do, do, do. But I wasn't just doing, I was doing it in his name and for his glory. So surely this was my best. And he would whisper to me, thank you, but all I really want is your heart. I got to the point of offering him everything, everything I had, hoping that this was going to be enough. Surely everything was the best I had to offer him. I was overwhelmed, overscheduled, and overworked. But because I was doing it all for God, I laid it at the altar and I said, Here, God, this is what I have. Here is my everything. And he whispered to me, Thank you. But what I really want is your heart. Now, I'm a bit of a slow learner, but I got to the point that I realized that I can offer God any and everything that I've got, but unless my heart is completely surrendered to him, what I offer him will never be my best, no matter how hard I try or what I give. We can so easily turn what we offer God into idols if we're not careful about our reasons and if we're doing things without a surrendered heart that is turned towards him. As the message, the verse said, sin will crouch at our door and lead us from a pure offering of ourselves. 
I can think I'm pleasing God when really all I'm doing is pleasing man. I look at the story and I think, well, maybe if Cain had not looked at what his brother was offering, but had listened to God's voice just a little bit closer, he may have heard God whisper to him, Cain, all I really want is your heart. The greatest offering I can bring God is my heart in its most genuine, vulnerable state. And he whispers to me, that's all I've ever wanted. Thanks. Fraser, when you come and join us. Um, my goal in having others share before I point to the scripture is that we would just get a perspective of the way of faith from many different people. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know whether I can follow that, Kathy. That is just amazing because I think that really sums it up beautifully. Um, having said that, I'm never short of a few words. <laughs> Um, uh, when Phil asked me to do this, uh, my initial response was to actually to decline. I have a very uncomfortable relationship with money. I like to spend it, and I like to give it away, um, but I certainly don't like to talk about it. I don't like to talk about my money. My money's my business, one tells me. Um, my issues are around uh, really when is enough enough, uh, not having too little. Um, or in fact, um, I have issues with too much money sometimes. Many of my profession will argue that as doctors we work hard, we do long hours, we make many personal sacrifices to become a doctor. We exercise great expertise and we carry huge responsibility. We deserve to be paid well and have good incomes. We are entitled uh, to the income we earn. Um, you might say, well, what is the problem? But let's unwind, the, or let's just look at this a little bit more. My ability to earn a good income is purely determined by my circumstances, or rather the grace of God. I'd just like to explain that a bit more. I was born post-Second World War. Um, which is probably a good time to be born, um, not during the war. I was born in New Zealand and not in the slums of Calcutta. I was born to loving parents, not in a broken family. My parents valued education, so I was encouraged to go to university and not to leave school and just get a job. University in my day was free. Not, uh, not like it is now with huge uh, university fees. I was fortunate enough to have the brains to do well at school, not with a handicap or disability. I had the mental capacity and personal traits to apply myself and succeed. I didn't have to fight against mental illness, drug addiction or depression. And all of these things that allowed me to get to the point where I am now of earning what I earn now are really all out of my control. How much credit should I really be taking for my income? Do I deserve it? I am where I am today because of the gifts God has given me and the grace he's bestowed on me on my life. 
My money is due to the blessing of God. And those blessings can be taken away tomorrow. An accident, a stroke, a worldwide financial crisis, COVID, you know, take, can take it all away in an inkling. But God is good to me. My money is from him. It's his money. Um, and each year, now we have learned this over many years. We have made many financial mistakes. Um, uh, I remember taking the family to Australia once and getting to Australia and suddenly realised I hadn't budgeted for food. <laughs> and we were a bit maxed out at that time and we had a pretty hungry holiday. <laughs> we got to Australia but no food. <laughs> you can see I, I'm not very good with money. Um, but each year, Janet and I, we sit down and we uh, work out how much money we're going to give away. And that is a great joy to us. It's a privilege. And we always give out of our surplus, which is fantastic, isn't it? We, uh, we tie the certain amount to church. We put aside money for mission because we really are very keen on mission. We um, put aside money for community things that are going on. And it is a great joy for us to do that. In addition to that, we also um, uh, give one-off payments to disaster relief and anything else that the Lord lays upon our hearts. And it's a great privilege to be able to do that. Uh, I want, or we want, to be known for our generosity, not for our wealth or our frugalness. And this gives us great joy and... Um, and we would know that we would have actually nothing if it wasn't for the love and grace of God. All glory to him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many different ways that you can look at the way of faith in order to live the way of faith. And uh, I thank each one of my contributors today for their willingness and obedience to... Uh, to come and share, and um, hopefully that helps strengthen us, each one of us, as we understand that God's leading us. What I'm going to do just for the next uh, couple of minutes is point back to the scripture, and point back to the story of Cain and Abel. And really what struck me over the last couple of weeks in looking at the passage and the characters in the story and you know, we could take the next couple of hours if you want uh, to, to unpack that, but I think the tummy rumbling and the rabbit running out of the building would probably mean I was doing it by myself. So we're not going to do that. But I want to just, I want to look at the contrast to understand the why. That's my, my well. So we see this verse in Hebrews 11 verse 4 that Abel offered a greater sacrifice than Cain and through his faith he was commended as righteous. Commended as righteous. God commended him for his offerings. And I, I kind of think in pictures, and I wrote things down. This is my, my notes for this week, all my study. And I'm like, seriously, with that many notes, I can preach for two hours. So just be glad I'm not. Um, but um, this, is, this is kind of what I saw. We had Abel come before God with an offering. And God commended him as righteous because he accepted his offering. And he accepted Abel. And if you look 
in Genesis chapter 4, you see the contrast between the two brothers. So we're not coming here to, to condemn one and, and highlight the other, or, and I'm not wanting anyone here to feel like, oh, shucks, I'm a Cain, I'm condemned. It's not my goal, not my goal. There's an answer. There is an answer, and God's given it to us in the Scriptures. But just look at the simple contrast for a second. It says in the Scripture, so what I've done, all I've done to do this is I've bounced between Hebrews 11 verse 4 and Genesis 4. That's all I've done. This, those two things. And what we see is that Abel brings an offering in faith. He's commended by God as righteous, and Abel is accepted. Now, we know that Abel's accepted because the contrast is Cain was not accepted. God said to him in Genesis 4, come on, why are you so angry? You will be accepted if you do what is right. Well, that means he wasn't accepted at that time. So, so, so go backwards. Cain wasn't accepted, which implies from the way that God dealt with Abel that there was no righteousness that enabled him being accepted. And the reason there was no righteousness was because of the offering he brought. Now, I've read a lot of commentaries, and I looked at the Scripture different ways and different translations, and I've come to the viewpoint that the reason Cain was not accepted is not because of what he brought. It's not about how much, not about what it was, because the difference between the two brothers was one brought um, uh, crops harvest of the ground, and Abel brought the best of the firstborn lambs. Two contrasting scenarios. But I'm convinced by studying commentary and people far wiser than myself that it's not because of what he bought. Which means we've got to find in the contrast why Cain wasn't accepted. I love what Stu said right at the beginning of his, his uh, talk. He said, I decided early on that if I felt God was asking me to do something, and then someone says, well, how do you know it's God? Well, his decision was, I, if it's biblical, I'd rather do it than miss what God's saying. Same here. We know from reading Genesis 4 that Cain knew what to do. He had been taught what to do, as Abel was taught. But he didn't do it. He chose not to do it. So it wasn't what he bought. It was how he brought it. So please, if there's an outcome out of this, don't compare yourself with the four people that spoke. And don't compare people amongst each other. Because the Lord is looking at the heart. God says, Genesis 4, verse 6. Why are you angry? The Lord asked him. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse, sin is eager to control you. There's a, there's a lesson in there for us. Here's the thing that I noted. God tells Cain, in that verse, God tells Cain he has the ability to correct the situation. What does that imply to all of us? If you make a mistake... 
God shows you what to do. He gives you a chance to correct it. But, 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 but look a bit deeper. If you refuse to do what right, what's right, verse 7, if you refuse to do what's right, watch out for sin is wanting to be your master. So, so, so the risk is if we don't get our heart right before God, then sin will become our master. You know, as Kathy shared so eloquently, so many options of how we could come before God, and he says, actually, all I want is you. Interesting. Now, if you look at this contrast up here, but you look at the process horizontally, so the contrast is vertical, Abel and Cain are contrasted in the Scriptures. The process I've put as linear, just for understanding, is that righteousness that comes from faith, so faith first, righteousness second, we get accepted. Now, here I've translated it this way. God tells Cain he has the ability to fix the situation by mastering sin. Can you see that in verse 7? God has the ability, says you've got the ability. If you do what is right, cool. But if you refuse, sin is eager to control you. Now, for the good news, the only way sin can be defeated is by righteousness. The only way. You can't do it for yourself. If you're trying to earn credit with God, that's called earning your righteousness. It doesn't work because what you do, you have to sustain. But God, by his grace, enables the righteousness through our faith, which means we can defeat sin. So the only way to master sin that causes a disconnection so that last line is all about disconnection. One is connected with God and one is disconnected. Only way to master sin is righteousness that comes by faith. Now, a little warning here, which is in the next chapter. Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's in the same chapter. Next page. Cain chose not to master sin. Cain chose not to master the sin, which led to the disconnection, spilt the blood of his brother, was cast out of God's presence forever. Not a good outcome. So we don't want that. So let's go back to Abel and say, how do we find the, the righteousness that comes by faith? Well, as I was studying and, and looking at different things, I was like, well, when we talk about faith, what are we, are we saying faith in what? What is it that we would put our faith in? Because you could quite glibly, religiously say, well, faith in God. But as uh, Craig alluded to with the interviews uh, that are coming up, and, and uh, well, what does faith mean to you? If you, said, if you went out there and said to someone, well, I've got faith in God, they'd say, but, but what does that mean? Why? You know, it's a nice statement, but there's no substance to it without the backstory. 
And I found this definition, and you know me, I like definitions, so I thought I'd read this to you. One person wrote this. Confidence in God, and, and just talking about confidence in God, or faith in God, or trust in God. Confidence in God, trust in God, faith in God. A forward-looking trust that God will make good on his promises, even when that fulfillment is unseen to us. Read it again. Confidence in God, faith in God, trust in God, are a forward-looking trust that God will make good on his promises, even when that fulfillment is unseen to us. I'm hoping that you're reading Hebrews 11. When you get to the end of it, you find a whole bunch of people that didn't see what they had faith for, and yet they were commended. So what are we having faith in? Faith in what? We're faith in God who will make good on his promises. So, so let's apply that to Cain and Abel. It says that Abel came in faith in Hebrews 11. Through faith, Abel brought his offering. The contrast was that Cain didn't come in faith. But faith in what? This is what I've been asking myself. Because it's no good to say, well, faith in God, because that's got no substance behind it. But this definition says faith in God being good on his promises to us. A promise is something that might motivate us. And you find the answer only a few verses earlier in Genesis. I personally believe this is my viewpoint. And God gave me this understanding some years ago, and I've been wrestling with it, and I might have even talked about it here, so some of you may remember. The way of faith is faith in God and His ability to bring His promises. And God did make a promise. God made a substantial promise. God made a promise that would have resonated in the hearts and the minds of this first family that were living on earth. God made a promise that still echoes today because when you see it, you realize that it actually shapes your entire life, I suspect. In the garden, Adam and Eve ate the apple. They were twisted away from God by the serpent who was the devil, the enemy of God. And God came and he discovered what they'd done in Genesis chapter 3. And he's like, oh, my goodness. There are now consequences for your choices. However, look at the screen. God made a promise. This is the very first messianic promise in the scripture. First time we see God promise a redeemer. God says to the serpent, you are cursed in verse 14. Verse 15, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, which is 
terminal, and you will strike his heel, which is an injury. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve. Shame covers them while they're still naked. They're separated from God because they've got this disconnect going on because they made a mistake and they sin entered the world. And even in that moment, God says to Eve, through your offspring, I will raise up a redeemer that will strike the enemy. This is the promise of Jesus Christ. And I believe Eve took this to her heart, as would Adam. I mean, he's there, but he's speaking to Eve in this context and through her, through the woman, your offspring, her offspring, Eve says, my son will redeem us. And I believe the way of faith is faith in the promise. I believe the way of faith causes us to behave in a way where we believe that God will make good on his promises. And so we come before him in faith to bring what we require to bring, but in faith we bring it, not faith in the gift, but faith in the one who we give the gift to. The promise. The messianic promise, the, 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 the demonstration. Giving is, like, if we think about an offering, think about finances. Giving money, you can do out of obedience, and good on you. But giving is worship. Worship of the one who I believe will send the, has sent the Redeemer that will restore us to full connection with God in heaven for eternity. That's the way of faith. Now, whether you're talking about, as Kathy did, about bringing yourself to God, which is first and foremost the best thing you could do. Bring yourself to God as worship because you have faith in the one who said he would bring the Redeemer. Here's the thing. Your righteousness can only come by faith in the one who saves. The opening scripture I shared with you this morning, Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10. Grace is a gift. Your righteousness is a gift. And it can only come to you when you have faith in the one who saves. Praise God. We are not in this kind of time where Abel and Cain came before God and they had to do it in their own strength. Praise God. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we're on the other side of that Redeemer coming as the promise. We live on the other side of Calvary where Jesus Christ came as the Redeemer who was promised in the garden and he paid the price. And when you have faith in him, you're righteous before God. You can only find your righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. The cross has made a way for us to be accepted. No longer are we judged by the kind of offering, the type of offering we bring on a Sunday or a Monday or on a payday. Righteousness can only come by faith in the one who saves. When I contrast Abel and Cain, I see two different heart perspectives. This is me after reading and studying and looking at this, I see Cain, who brought an offering from the harvest of his crops, and I see a man who brought an offering that acknowledges God exists. 
An offering that acknowledges God exists was not accepted. But in Abel, in Abel, I see a man who brought an offering in faith based on who God is and his complete dedication and trust in God being faithful to his promise. The way of faith, friends, is not about what you do. It's about how you bring your life before God in all aspects of your life. The reason we're doing five weeks in this series and picking five heroes is because there are many aspects to the way of faith. Today, we're speaking of Abel and Cain. Cain, who brought an offering that acknowledges God exists. And Abel, who brought an offering it's based on the faith that he had in who God was and that God would be faithful and good to his promise that he'd made to send a redeemer. And we can be grateful God has sent that Redeemer. Jesus Christ, the one who was promised back long ago, came and paid the price, the only price that would be acceptable before God, the, the, the man who was slain, as Jan said, beaten and humiliated and scorned and rejected for you and for me. When we choose, by God's grace, to have faith in Jesus, we come before him. Righteous and accepted. And this is the way of faith. Let's pray. Almighty God, I pray that you would help each one of us. I pray that as we meditate on Abel and Cain and the contrast, as we meditate on the promise that God you made for humanity, I pray that we would find you. Through humility, we would come and say, Lord, you can have it all. We lay our lives down. We choose to deny ourselves in order that we would have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who makes the way for us to come before God as our Father in heaven. Lord, for those who are searching, who are uncertain, for those who are separated from God because of their mistakes or their sinfulness, God, we pray today that as this word goes out, that it would touch people's hearts and bring them to a place where they can find your love and your grace and your mercy, that through their faith, they can declare Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord of all. Bless you, God, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, uh, as always, uh, or as for the series, we've been um, saying to you that there are some devotions that we're preparing each week. So one of the goals that we had in the series, as we mapped it out, was that you would have some time to hear from the Word of God, and that's what these messages are about, and today I wanted to bring others to bring their perspective in. But in more than that, we also wanted uh, to, to create a, a sort of a, a process whereby that you could get revelation from the Word of God. And so this week, uh, there's a devotion on Abel and the way of faith. Last week's one was on Abraham. You can find the link to that online. Um, but what I'm going to do is just get one of the host team to make sure these are at the door for you to take one. If they run out, ask me and we'll print some more today or get the email tomorrow and you can uh, have it at home. Uh, so we're really praying that you would have this um, 
this personal revelation journey. The other aspect of the series is that um, one of the things that we, we know about church life is that connection is so important. And so to encourage connection, what we've asked is that you think about going through this journey with a buddy, someone else, that you would find someone, reach out to them, connect with them, whether you do that on the phone or Skype or um, video call, um, meet up for a, for a cup of tea or something, and you just open yourselves up to each other in the journey and strengthen each other through prayer. There's, there's on the back end here, it says prayer suggestion, uh, pray for each other, speak God's blessing, and there's some scripture references there to help you if you need it. So uh, I hope you're doing that. I hope you're reaching out. I, hope, I got a text this morning from someone who's not here this morning. They're away. They said, hey, thanks. Uh, we, we did the devotion during the week. And uh, here's my insight into what I learned from Abraham. And what he said was in the text, he says, you know what? Faith is all about, faith in God is all about relationship. He said, how would Abraham make such a big call to leave comfort and go to a land he didn't know if he didn't have a solid relationship with God? What a great insight. So thanks for sharing that. I'm sure he's going to watch online later. So do the devotion, hang out with someone, and be challenged to grow in the way of faith. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our message and it inspired you. Stay connected and get amongst our family. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or our app. We are Zion people.